All right, Matthew chapter 6. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount, but I want to just share just for a minute. I just want to thank my deacons for that. That was so kind and thoughtful. It has been eight years. Sometimes it feels like longer. Sometimes it, does, it feels like just yesterday. Um, you know, we're all going through something, and I just want to encourage you. What I'm praying for you and what I'm praying for me and what I'm praying for this church is for us to have breakthrough that we would encounter God, that we would get to know God, that we would know Him in the way that He wants to be known, and that we stop chasing after our own tails and stop running in a circle like a, a rat runs in a, in, a, in a cage, but that we start running after God. And as we run after God, we look up and see where we've come. We're not worried about where we're going because we're going after God. And God gives us our steps. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. So my focus is to be on God. So I just received that word of joy. We need a year of joy. Who needs a year of joy? It's time. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and the Lord wants to give us His joy. I want His joy. I want the joy of the Lord. Um, I want to encourage you for just a minute for young marrieds, young married couples. Brother Rob and Dana are going to be leading this group, and it's, they are such a powerful group in so, many, in so many areas. Number one, they've got five kids. Not many can say that. Many of us have one or two. I got four. I thought I was the village freak. I go into hotels, and like, I got four kids. They're like, oh, are you religious? Well... No. I mean, I am, but no. And Rob one-ups me with five. But this family knows how to raise a family. This family knows how to serve in church. This family's involved in the community. This family doesn't run when things get tough. And I'm telling you, you have something to receive in their group. And I'm so thankful for them to share, to, to, to start teaching. And what they're going to start teaching out of is the marriage conference that we've got coming up in August. It's going to help really lay the foundation for what we're going to be going through in August. And I want to encourage you, young or old, married or unmarried, if you have a desire to be married, you need to start looking into this conference that we're going to have in August. And if you're a young married couple with children and can plug into this life group, you can, you can start to... Uh, be taught this message now. And I want you to know it will change your life. It will change your marriage. It's a good message. We wouldn't be bringing it if it wasn't a good message. So I'm very thankful for what they've got coming up. Go back and sign up. Go back and sign up. All right. Sermon on the Mount. Don't forget, this is Jesus's teaching. Who's teaching? Jesus. Not Pastor Paul. Jesus is teaching. We are taking Jesus' teaching and trying to apply it to our life. Jesus gave this message for us for today. The message that he has from 2,000 years ago will work today. It will work today. Sermon on the Mount. Today it's about receiving God's financial rewards. It's from Matthew chapter 6, verse 4. And it's how to receive the Father's reward when it comes to money. Now, in Matthew chapter, chapter 6, there are quite a few references to finances. 
But you know something about, about, my, about my walk is I love to talk about tithing. I love to tithe. I didn't, uh, I've, I've got my youngest one in here, and I'm sorry I'm going to share it, Sarah Beth, but here she comes walking around the house with a bag full of money, change. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm tithing this week. And I didn't say anything to you. I just let that go. I didn't want to point any attention to it. I didn't want to embarrass her because I knew her mom had been talking to her. But I just thought, yeah, God's going to move in her life. She can't help it. She can't stop it. Do you know that when we tap into the Sermon on the Mount, you can't stop God from moving in your life? Why? Because you're walking out His Word. Do you know someone that walks out His Word? Do you know what they're called? A Christian. And God's looking for people to bless. It says that He sees. He sees what you do in secret so that He can reward you out in public. So Matthew 6, 4, we're talking about finances. Now, I want to encourage you. It's easy to come in the church and as soon as the pastor says anything about money, you shut down. Don't do that. This is Jesus' teaching for your benefit. To give you increase, not decrease. Who wants increase? Who wants increase in your money? Okay, good, all right. I love talking about giving. One reason I love to talk about giving is because of the interaction with God. Do you know I couldn't give unless I really loved God? It just won't happen. And it's even hard then. Why? Because we get so attached to our money. We get so attached. But when I give money, God sees me. And this interaction between his heart and my heart. And that he actually answers me in a specific way. And he answers me in the amount that I give and the timing that I give. And I'm going to show that to you. And when I know that God is interacting with me, you know what? It gets me excited. It gets me excited. And that's what I desire for you, is to have that interaction with God. Today it's about our money. But it's more about how to get money from God. It's the fact that he sees and interacts with us and that he cares and that he's watching intently. So let's take just a moment and let's look at the biblical background for prosperity. Because the verse we're highlighting today, Matthew 6, 4, the fa- it says that the Father openly rewards us. You know, he's, he's, uh, Jesus is re- uh, referencing an Old Testament doctrine where God promises prosperity for his people. And there's a lot of different views of what prosperity is and how it works and how we walk in it. So let's just look at it for just a minute. Did you know that money is one of the prominent, one of the most spoken about things in the Word of God? Why? Because it has such control over our life. We allow it to have so much control. Jesus taught on money more than he taught on any, almost more than any other subject. The whole testimony of Scripture lays out many important biblical principles. Principles of how to obtain money, how to manage money, how to save money, how to invest money, how to multiply it. And you know, all of it is natural wisdom, just using natural wisdom. And there are biblical principles on how money is multiplied by the wise employment of biblical principles. But as Jesus taught on the subject of finances... Even though he fully endorses and supports the larger testimony of Scripture on these principles, he doesn't focus on these principles himself. He honors them 
He doesn't second-rate them. He doesn't nullify them. But he points out two major themes throughout the Gospels related to finances. The first point that Jesus identifies to us is that God wants to multiply your finances. God wants to multiply your finances. It is God's desire for your finances to multiply. And not multiply it only naturally, but supernaturally. This is an Old Testament doctrine that Jesus validates in the New Testament. And he makes this point over and over. <clears throat> He's not appealing to greed or covetousness. He's appealing to people to have a dynamic interaction with God. Jesus takes the, the teaching of money and makes it relational. Why? Because God is a relational God. He has been trying to teach us from day one of the Sermon on the Mount that God is relational. Quit looking at him only from a distance. We need to look at him as Father. He is still all-powerful God that created the universe, that knows the number of hairs on your head, that holds the span of the universe in the palm of his hand. Same God. But that same God is also a father, and he is our father. And he thinks like a father. He wants to bless like a father. So the one point he uh, emphasizes a number of times, that God promises to supernaturally multiply our finances. Who here believes the promises of God? They include your finances. The second point that he makes with even greater emphasis is that he warns of us of the spiritual dangers of covetousness. Do y'all know what covetousness is? It's kind of a hard word to even say. I got to look at it a few times and I look at it and it doesn't sound the way it looks. Covetousness. Covetousness. Immoderate desire for the possession of something. Usually wealth. Immoderate desire meaning our, we're out of balance with what we want. And almost always it's money. I want more money, don't you? The problem is that many times outweighs my want for God. As God multiplies our finances, he warns us and challenges us not to have the wrong spirit. God was trying to warn us. God warns us not to have the wrong spirit toward money. The Lord says, I want to multiply it, but for the right reason, not for the wrong reason. Not so that you can live independently of God, but rather so you would interact with God in a greater way. And begin to get more involved in kingdom purposes. So from the biblical point of view, Old and New Testament, we need to understand that prosperity is a blessing. God desires us to have prosperity. It is a biblical blessing. But we need to understand the dangers that come along with financial blessing. Scripture tells us that uh, prosperity is a blessing and that poverty is a curse. The reason I say that is 
for some reason, the church sometimes has a skewed view that we should pursue poverty. No, the scriptures clearly says poverty is a curse. We should be rid of poverty. We don't live under a spirit of poverty. No. The problem is we just get messed up with how we view money. Matthew 6, 4. This is our scripture today. Matthew 6, 4. So that your giving may be in secret, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. It's another reason why my daughter was walking around with that money wanting to tithe. I kept my mouth shut. I don't want me bragging on her to be her blessing. I want to keep my mouth shut. Let God do the blessing. I don't have to give her another sermon. She's already moved. Her heart's moved. She wasn't upset about it. She wasn't questioning it. She goes, she goes I'm tithing this Sunday. I'm like, great. But in, in, in the back of my mind, like a father, yes, God's going to get her. God sees it. He sees what she's doing. As a nine-year-old, as a 19-year-old, college kids, as a 15-year-old, God sees what you're doing. I told Pete when he was worshiping up here, I said, Pete, if you fall on your face, it's fine. It happens. We mess up. We get lyrics wrong. Just have your heart right. Doesn't matter what comes out. It doesn't matter. God sees your heart. Only God can see your heart when you're worshiping. Nobody else can. So why not get your heart right when you're worshiping? Because God sees in secret and he rewards out front of everybody. Shoot, that's a good word. We're to believe God for prosperity. But use the prosperity to benefit the kingdom and your own life. Not just your own life. What is prosperity? It's having enough to meet your needs and having enough running over to meet others' needs. That's what prosperity is. Prosperity, so many times we want to think I'll, 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 I'll prosper when I have a million dollars. Let me tell you, I know millionaires that are broke, that are going to hell, that are not happy. I know people that don't have hardly anything but have prosperity. Their needs are being met. They are doing things for the kingdom. They're not falling short at all. That's prospering. I want my needs met and I want enough. I want my cup running over so that I've got some to give. Now, I'm no, I'm no different than you. I want stuff. I want God to bless me big so that I can do big things. But God doesn't just want to bless me so that I can give. He wants to bless me so that I can grow and I can have and I can enjoy what God's blessing is. It's not so we can just give it all away and have nothing. No. God wants your cup full. He's not saying, I'm going to fill your cup, then I want you to empty it for everyone. No, I want to fill your cup and overflow it, and then out of that abundance, I want you to give. And you know what's going to happen next? I'm going to make your cup bigger. I'm going to increase your territory. You take care of what little I've given you in that cup, I'm going to give you a bigger cup. You take care of that, I'm going to give you a bigger cup. But Jesus says, watch out. Because as your cup gets bigger... Your head gets bigger. And your butt gets bigger. <laughs> Doesn't it? What happens when we get lazy? We get bigger. 
in the wrong ways. Listen, when y'all hired me eight years ago, you knew I, well, I, did, I wasn't the typical pastor. I haven't changed a bit. I'm still. But the problem is with, with blessing comes big responsibility, and it gets hard because you start thinking more highly of yourself. You start going down other roads that you would have never gone down. Next thing you know, you've stopped working. You've stopped pursuing. You've missed the whole point. Then, then the next thing you know is you're getting paid double, but you don't have enough to even pay what you, what you got going on. You're broker than you were, and you're making more money. What happened? We missed it. We missed God. Jesus is saying, I want to bless you, but I don't want you to miss me as I bless you. I want you to stay with me. Prosperity has many different measures. You're living in prosperity if you're meeting your needs and you have extra to give. Deuteronomy chapter, 18, verse, chapter 8 verse 18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors, as it is today. Moses is saying that God gives you the power to get wealth. Wealth is not broke. There's a difference between just having your needs met and wealth. Wealth is abundant. There's a supernatural dimension in getting wealth that God desires to release to his people. And he gives a reason why he wants to do it. To confirm his covenant. He wants to confirm how great he is by how much he blesses you. Do you see that? He gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he has promised us to do. There's a supernatural dimension. One aspect of establishing the covenant means God wants to give you increase. So can you, you can use the money to bring benefits of the covenant that we have with Jesus to other people. In other words, funding the gospel. Not just faraway nations, but local and abroad in personal ways, in supporting ways. And the Lord makes it clear that there are biblical, wise, natural laws of finance. Elizabeth and I see Ron and Sarah Nelson out here. Ron and Sarah Nelson have so poured into this church financially by pouring their resources and their knowledge into our body to know how to do God's plan in the natural way. Dave Ramsey's plan is the natural way. Now, Dave Ramsey goes into giving. He touches on the supernatural, but for the most part, there is a natural way to handle your wealth. Elizabeth and I have been doing it ever since we went through the class, and uh, Ron and Sarah, we have seen miracle after miracle in our money. Small miracles, but we just had another, uh, uh, we had our AC worked on, and um, Forgot that we hadn't replaced our filters in two years. And we've got these big four-inch thick filters. I forgot what we had, but when I saw those, I'm like, oh, no. Because we got four of them, and they're hundreds of dollars each. I'm like, oh, no, not now. We've got this Dave Ramsey thing. We've got our incidentals. We've got our overage. We've got money set aside to make it. We were barely making it. How many of you know, how many of you sometimes have to make it check to check? I'm not here to tell you I'm not getting paid enough. I'm paid fine. But... We, we figure out a way to spend our money, don't we? I got four kids. I got piano lessons. I got violin lessons. I got everything coming out of my ears. We do it all. 
We don't miss anything. We try not to. But sure enough, our AC unit leaks. We know it every year they have to come recharge, and it's the old kind of charge. It's the stuff the government's trying to phase out, so they're increasing the price. Thanks a lot, government. But anyway, I'm sure the ozone layer is doing better because they're changing it. But I'm not concerned about the ozone. I'm concerned about my pocketbook and my AC unit working, right? So they keep telling me every year, you're going to have to replace it. You're going to have to replace it. That's okay. Recharge it. Recharge it. Well, it took nine, seven pounds of charge. It holds nine. Seven pounds cost me $175. Then all my filters. It was 400 and something dollars. But you know what? By, by a miracle. A, a check didn't show up. God used what I had. But by a miracle, by us doing Dave Ramsey, we had the money. Didn't have to go into savings. Didn't have to take it from anywhere. It was just laying there. Now, we had that planned for something else. So I'm now praying God fill that back up. You met, you met my need. Don't get me wrong. He met my need. And I told Elizabeth, I said, I didn't have to take it out of savings. Well, praise God. We'll start believing for this next step. Okay, I'm not worried about it. We just paid this bill great. We do the natural, but God's saying, I want you to do the natural. I want you to be faithful over little. If you'll be faithful over little, God says, I'll kick in. I want to kick into your finances. You show me that you'll be faithful over what I've given you. I'll kick it up a notch. Supernaturally. Supernatural dimension. We don't just want the natural and not the supernatural. God wants us to do the both, the natural and the supernatural. You say... There is no way God can move in my finances. I'm on a fixed income. There's just no way. Well, let me tell you, Joseph. Joseph was a boy that had a dream. God had spoken to his heart. But the timing wasn't exactly right. What happened? He got sold into slavery. Next thing you know, he's in prison. Next thing you know, he's the second most powerful man in the world. Now, no, no other way could that have happened except by God supernaturally. You take King David. King David one day is out playing a harp and tending sheep. In fact, when it was time for one of David's brothers, when the, when the family of Jesse, were to, one of them was to be king, everyone thought it would have been one of the others, not David. Next thing you know, David is the most wealthy man in the world. God can reach you. God can reach your finances. I don't care how bad it is. Well, I do care. But the mountain is not too big for God. It doesn't matter what kind of debt you're in. It doesn't matter how the bill collectors are calling you every single day. And listen, I've been there. I got to where I didn't want to answer my phone. I got to where I got somebody else to answer the phone. But that doesn't ever work. Because if you're the one responsible, they're eventually going to get to you. You just kind of stay in it for 24 hours. God can reach you. God can reach you. God can reach you. Give you one more example. Esther, young Jewish orphan girl living in Persia, 
far away from home, becomes one of the wealthiest people in the nation by following God. I want you to know following God is the only way. It's the only way. Nothing else works. God has this way of not just in the extreme way, but he has a desire and a way to get wealth where you think there's no chance to get it. Some of you are one divine idea away. You may have no idea, but I want you to know Joseph was one idea away. He had a dream. And that dream was the divine idea. And with a little blood, sweat, and tears and a prison sentence. We may think that what we're walking through is, is not God's plan. I want you to know we, we just spent the last year here at the church and here personally going through a very tough year. But I can tell you that had I not gone through that tough year, I don't believe God could, could have reached me. I believe I had put God in a place that I could not be reached. I couldn't be reached by man. I couldn't be reached by God. And God said, I love you so much that I'm, we're going to get to a place that you're going to call on me again. I love you that much. You know what that's called? Uh, Dave, uh, not Dave. James Dobson talks about it. Tough love. Some people won't respond any other way. Now, I want you to know God did not tempt me to sin. God did not lead me to destruction. He was with me the whole way. But he allowed me to walk in a way that would lead me back to him. God is that good. And he never left me. Never. Sometimes I felt like he did. But if you remember, I had somebody tweet it last week. My, God's love for me is not based on my feelings. Sometimes we don't feel like it. That does not affect how God feels about you. I want to encourage you. God can reach you. So, uh, let's see. You can't look at yourself. You can't look at your education. You can't look at your history. And you can't say it can't be me. Because I give you examples of three people from the Old Testament that had no chance to get wealth based on who, who they were and their family background, their education, or even their place in society. But God supernaturally broke in in the midst of their life to bless them. It's important that we have uh, the biblical mentality of finances. Because you know our own nation is being challenged in the realm of finances. The whole world is being shaken financially. And that shaking is going to increase. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. But we are in covenant with God. He wants to use the money not just to get bigger houses and better cars. But he desires that when we see money, we see souls. When we see money, we see funding the work of the kingdom. That covenant paradigm that he associates this promise to give wealth to. God desires that we would uh, gain wealth. It says, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now I'm going to close here. I'm not quite done, but I want you to catch something here. God wants us to increase. God wants us to prosper in all things with the same proportion that our heart prospers. 
can you, can you grasp that? Because if we prosper in economics more than we prosper in spiritual leadership to God, we become out of balance. We become vulnerable in our spiritual life. So many times God blesses people, but their, their, their spiritual walk doesn't increase with their financial increase, and they get out of balance, and then they start to miss God. Their heart didn't grow with their money. And it actually, the blessing of God actually set them back. That wasn't the intent. But sometimes we mess it up. God gave it to them to encourage them to press into God. But so many people, we don't. We get focused on our money. Our head grows. We don't stay up to date with our relationship to God. And it causes us trouble. John says, my prayer is that you'll prosper in all things. Relationally. Economically, physically. But I pray that that increase will increase as your soul increases. As your spirit increases. So the spirit of poverty is not our covenant, nor is the spirit of overindulgence. God the Father is looking across the whole earth, looking for young men, young women, older men, older women, who want to partner with him, to be vessels to be used by him. doesn't matter what your education is. doesn't matter what your family situation is. doesn't matter rich or poor, young or old. He's looking to use you. But Jesus is saying you've got to watch out for the dangers. You know, money is compared to a sharp knife. And you know, if a, if a master chef is given a sharp knife, he can do amazing things with that knife. But if that knife is given to a five-year-old child, even though the intention was right, can absolutely hurt themselves and hurt everyone around them. Same thing with money. You know, it's like swimming in shark-infested waters. If we have the knowledge of where the sharks are, if we know where to swim and where not to swim, we, can, we have wisdom, we have foresight, we have uh, discernment where to be and where not to be. If you don't know and you go and dive in with those animals, you're in trouble. Jesus is saying, I'm trying to tell you what the dangers are. Go ahead and watch out for the dangers as I bless you because these dangers are going to come. Watch out for them. Let's work against them now. You remember the prayer we just prayed last week? That it, uh, the, the pre-temptation prayer. That's what Jesus is saying. He's kind of giving us a pre-temptation thing here. As I bless you with finances, covetousness is going to be right there at your door. And I want you to fight that off. Do you remember that uh, you would not lead me into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Jesus is now taking that and applying it into our finances. I am trying to lead you not into temptation, but deliver you from evil, that as I bless you with your money, that you don't get hung up on covetousness. That your heart grows as your bank account grows, not grows cold. There are dangers. And you know, covetousness is one of the topics that the church talks about the least. We can spot it in everybody else. But rarely do we say that's our problem. And I would say most of us have that problem. God bless our finances. Mark 12, verse 30. says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. Jesus puts the commands in context of loving him. 
God created us to love Him, not money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money. It's the love of money. Jesus says, love me with all your heart. Love me with all your soul, your mind, and your strength. What are those, th- those four spheres to love God? What's our heart? Our heart is our affection. Our, uh, that we would love him with all our heart, our affection. Love him with all our soul. Love him with our personality or our identity. Love him with our mind, which is our thoughts. And love him with our strength. You know what our strength is? Our strength is our resources. It's what we're strong at. Maybe we're strong in our finances. Maybe we're strong in administration. Love him in your strengths. Love him in your strengths. Don't live your life separate from God with your strengths. God, I'm going to work with you in my weaknesses, but not in my strengths. The problem is he wants to strengthen you financially. If you won't love him in your strengths, you won't love him when you get strong financially. What are our strengths? Our strengths are our resources. What, could I re- what would my resources be? My time, my money, my reputation, my words, my status, my physical energy. I am to love God with my strengths. Mainly, it's our time and our money. What's he trying to say? That God blessing our finances is relational. Stay relational. Stay connected to God, even financially. It's all about Him. This is not a technical subject of financial principles. It's relational. He's saying, this is about my heart and your heart. If you will guard your heart as I bless you financially, you will stay on target. If you begin to pull your heart back, you are going to wind up worse than you were before you had anything. Have you seen people that won the lottery? Huge percentage of them wind up going bankrupt. Why? Because their heart didn't change. The heart's got to go along with it. Your heart's got to go along with it. Church, get your heart right. God will take care of your finances. You don't have to worry about your finances. What does God say? God says to give. Give. Pastor, I, I'm barely getting paid at all. That's all right. Give. He who sees in secret will reward openly. Leave it up to God. It's what I told Elizabeth with us paying the air conditioner guy. It's up to God. We're doing the right thing. God's blessing us. We're going to keep giving. We uh, had a situation last night where we've already given our 10%. We didn't have any money to give. We went to the Mustard Seed Ranch. And we as a church support it, but we went to the Mustard Seed Ranch. And sure enough, she just said, what do you want to give? I said, I don't know. What do you want to give? She goes, how much do we have to give? I said, nothing. (laughs) But we need to give. So what do we do? We gave. And I said, just go ahead and write the check. We won't take it out of savings yet. I believe God will fill it before we can go take it out of the savings. If he doesn't, we'll take it out of savings. I'm not worried about it. It's on God. Seed's in the ground. It's good seed. I'm not worried about it. God, it's up to you. You're watching. You just saw that. Go ahead and bless me. But I don't want to miss putting a check in the envelope and miss what God has for me. It's good ministry. God, you've given me abundance. Okay. I really don't have it but I'm going to sow it anyway. 
Can I encourage you? Try God with all your heart. Try him with all your heart. Are you broke? Are you hurting financially? I want to encourage you to give. Now, I'm not done. We're going to finish this next week. But I want to encourage you to give. It works. It works. And it's not always at the church. The church is where your tithe, your 10% comes from. But if you want to give something a little bit extra, that's called the offering, that's called sacrifice, sow it into other ministries. Sow it into... uh, Samaritan's Purse, sow it into Mustard Seed Ranch, sow it into Crisis Pregnancy Center, sow it, get seed in the ground. God who sees what you're doing secretly will bless you openly, but he can't bless what doesn't get sowed. 